You are listening to LP Uncovered, a music podcast hosted by myself, Lauren Plant. On this episode, I'm joined by the wonderful English singer-songwriter, Tom Spate. Since graduating from the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts, where he won the prize for Best Songwriter of the Year and even performed in front of Sir Paul McCartney himself, Tom has supported the likes of James Bay, Stereophonics and Maisie Peters. In 2019, he released his debut album Collide, followed two years later by his second album Everything's Waiting For You, achieving well-deserved recognition and even topping the charts in Brazil. In August this year, Tom released his amazing third studio album, Love and Light. The album has already gathered a lot of attention, featuring on many TV shows and being the Radio 2 album of the week. I love getting the chance to chat with Tom as he discusses the many personal and cultural influences behind each song. So let's uncover Tom Spates' wonderful new album, Love and Light. Thank you so much for coming on LP Uncovered this week. Tom Spate, hello. Hey, how's it going? Really good, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on because I know you're a busy guy. So um, yeah, I really, really appreciate it. No worries. No, it's always, you know, it's always nice to talk, kind of talk about the album in depth. And yeah, no, I'm really excited to kind of yeah get, get, get stuck in really. Yeah, get into the real nitty gritty. And obviously it's your third album, Love and Light. It's been getting a lot of love. BBC Radio 2 album of the week, TV appearances, sort the of Sunday brunch, even got a match of the day. Play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's a strange thing. It's like, um, it feels like we've kind of been bubbling away for like, well, nearly 10 years. I, I think I put my first song out in 2016, January 2016, which was a song called Little Love. And then it's kind of been gradually building and obviously, you know, COVID kind of paused things a little bit, but um, this album, you know, I never, you never really know what, how things are kind of, kind of go when you release music. And um, it's kind of definitely blown my expectations of what it was going to do. And, and it's still really early days, you know, it's only been out like just under two weeks since. And, and um, hopefully, you know, it'll just kind of keep going and then, you know, my always main thing is just to keep making music, keep making records. And if, if this album ena- enables me to make another record, that that's that's my main goal, really. And you recorded the record at Abbey Road Studios. So am I right in thinking you definitely, did you record Collide there? We recorded one song okay. uh, at, at Abbey Road from Collide. And then I kind of got the bug a bit from then. We, they, we, we did a, I did an EP in 2017. Uh, that was called Live at Studio 3, which was like a whole EP kind of recorded there live. And then ever since then, it's kind of, it feels like if I can record there, that's that's where I'm going to go. Yeah. It is quite, it's quite an expensive place, obviously, as you can imagine what, you know, it's like, I think it's the probably the best studio I've ever been to. And I've, we've, I've have indulged in quite a lot of good studios. You know, when you were talking about kind of like match of the day and, tv shows radio 2 and all these kind of things like i'm just as much as a fan as anyone of these kind of things really and as for studios and all that kind of stuff i'm trying to just live out as much of my dream as i can really yeah so um you know i never got into kind of music really to make money i think if you if you said to someone i'm gonna be a musician as like 
kind of like a career opportunity for making money they think you're, you're kind of crazy because you'd be like I'm not going to get paid for the first 10 years yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah so I, I've yeah been very lucky to record you know this record we recorded at Metropolis which is I think it's in Chiswick it's all a bit of a blur to be honest. Right. but um, we recorded at Rack in London and that, that is actually, if I was being truly honest no offense Abbey Road because I love Abbey Road but Rack's probably my favorite studio um, the reason I say this is because with Abbey Road, you kind of feel like it's almost so nice that you don't want to take your shoes off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, you don't want to get too comfy. Um, but um, with Rack, it's that's definitely feel, feels like a second home, and you know, I'll definitely continue to make albums there, and and they'll also venture into Abbey Road because they're quite close by as well, which is nice. Oh, right. When you're at Abbey Road, can you like? You know, when you kind of go into a place and you can like feel the legendary status and the people that have been there before you get in there, like completely overwhelmed by the amount of amazing people that recorded there. Well, to be honest as well, you when you're there as well, you're still seeing amazing people. It's definitely got that heritage of, of an, an amazing past. But when I was there, I saw Nile Rogers, I saw Matt oh. Bellamy from Muse recording. So you kind of feel like you're in the presence of like, ah, Yes, this is the music oh, industry, great. you know. Yeah. Um, so it feels like it feels very much alive. Like there's always, you know, I, I remember one day as well, like I looked out the window and Hans Zimmer was just looking at me. Oh my like God. it sounds, that sounds creepy. But he was just <laughs> yeah. basically outside going into the studio and we kind of looked out the front. Um, <laughs> so it, it still feels like there's a huge buzz. But yeah, there's obviously like, it's, there's like a Beatles stuff. There's uh, Pink Floyd everywhere, you know. And then it's a lot of it is actually um, like soundtracks of like Harry Potter and films like that. And yeah. there, there's, there's so it's, it's like a museum of music, really. It's kind of crazy. So cool. Hasn't Hans Zimmer just bought a recording? I feel like there's something in the news about him buying a recording studio. I can't remember, but. Um... Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not that clued up with, with his kind of, um, I know obviously his work, but I'm not clued up, that clued up with himself. Um Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely more of a, a Beatles guy. You know, I can give you some knowledge about them or, or Oasis. I I feel like oh. you know if I was going to do Mastermind, Oasis probably would be my category. I saw Noel Gallagher last Thursday for the first time ever. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was yeah, so good. Was and good? I suppose yeah, so good. It was really good. It was a really good like obviously mixture of like high flying bird stuff as well as yeah. I think he finished with don't look back in anger which is just a classic yeah such yeah. a crowd pleaser as well to finish with as well well there's a link between you and paul mccartney right i know we've got to got to mention it like so yeah he's... yeah he's you know he's i've met him a couple of times and he's just like this kind of incredible kind of guy obviously he knows he's paul mccartney so he kind of plays on that a little bit but um and he's very disarming in the sense of like he just makes you feel kind of comfortable with kind of um him being Paul McCartney and you yeah. being a massive Beatles fan. But yeah, I met him a couple of times, gave him a t-shirt, got an awful photograph of me and him together <laughs> where my head's cropped off it, but you can still see Paul. So <laughs> yeah, at least you got the uh, you got the legend in the photo and not <laughs> yeah, I'm not the super fan. But um yeah, no, I, I have never met the Gallagher brothers. So oh, I don't wow. you know I, it's one of those ones where I would love to say hello, but then I also don't want to spoil my teenage younger self of loving their music really but my kind of top five kind of 
I suppose people like I like aspire or, or look up to would be like obviously Oasis, but one of them definitely was in the top five was Stereophonics, and we toured with them, and yes. he was absolutely lovely. Like so, maybe maybe it is all right if I meet the Gallagher's, but Kelly is very much yeah like a true gent. So I don't know. If, I've heard actually that Liam and Noel are quite nice. So maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe they might be all right. It was a lot of yeah interesting interaction with the crowd. I suppose the bucket list would be maybe meeting them. Man City versus Liverpool because you support Liverpool right Hopefully. yeah I do support Liverpool yeah I don't know if he'd I'd probably keep that one quiet if I met him <laughs> yeah that's true I maybe just be like you know maybe what what I would say is like I'd be like I loved your last record I wouldn't even <laughs> talk about Oasis I'd just stay good yeah. decision you wouldn't talk about his brother yeah, just <laughs> yeah. stay on oh I loved your last record and then maybe ask him like a techie question about one of the songs <laughs> on the late, latest record. But I do actually really think the last record was really good. I've listened to that a lot. I listened to the new Blur album a lot. So I feel like I'm reliving my 1996 all over again. I know. I know. Yeah, the now whatever album it was is just completely coming back yeah, around. Yeah, well, look, I, if, I, I don't know if we, obviously we're filming a few yeah. bits. I won't. Um, I've got here. Oh, you've got one to hand. Cool. Now, I don't know if you can see how there is a camera there. Oh, it's a so tape. This is, yeah, so I've started. Um, oh. So this is now 33, which is my first ever thing I ever bought. And the reason that I've got it to hand is because I bought a cassette player recently. Love it. Because I was finding myself, I, I tried to, basically, we've got a lot of gigging coming up and all that kind of stuff. So I'm trying to be ultra. Like I, I've, We played a couple of shows with Tom Grennan. And um, he was like, when you speak to him, he basically treats it like he, because I think he was an ex-football or something, or something like that. But he was, um, he treats it like he's an athlete, basically. So I was like, okay, okay, well, let's, let's, let, I'll try and, let's, we'll try and channel that kind of mentality. And basically I joined the gym, which is kind of an alien concept for me. But I was finding myself, constantly still on my phone because i would listen to music and then you find yourself on spotify and then you get an email and then you look at the email and then before you know it you're two minutes taking a look at that replying to that so i basically i brought uh, a walkman oh so nice. uh, let me see if i can get the walkman to hand Here's the walkman. walkman's like the cd flat discs oh sorry right with the cassette oh nice yeah so basically I'm going back in time to 1996, listening to Love New it. Blow and Oasis albums, <laughs> and um, these 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 are bloody expensive. Are as well. they? Yeah, they're really expensive. For, you know, you think Monty's. they'll be, yeah, but they um, get a Walkman, get off digital stuff for a minute because I, I it's like for that an hour. It's probably where the only hour when I'm not kind of replying back to something or on social media and all that kind of stuff, apart from the hour that I'm on stage or something like that. It's because, you, you know, it's such a, you are like you're glued to your phone these days, isn't it? Yeah. It's tricky. Even now we're, you know, we're, we're obviously on some digital medium of talking to each other, which is an amazing thing, obviously, that we can do this. But I think it's um, it's healthy to kind of just have a bit of a detox, even if it's just for an hour a day. Definitely. I think that's a great idea. What kind of headphones are you rocking? So I remember having like the, the big ones come over your head like loop in or yeah i've got i've got the i've got uh, a <laughs> big one i won't grab that I'll, yeah, no, otherwise if people who listen to this podcast <laughs> will be like 
<laughs> yeah, there's lots of gaps of where he's grabbing things. Yeah, he's just rummaging around his room for a whole hour. <laughs> yeah, 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 basically. But um, no, I, I, yeah, 1993. So uh, no, not 1993. Now, now 33, which I believe was released in 1996. So it's got Oasis, Dirt in the Back and Anger second oh. track on it. It's got, it's got um, Pulp. It's got Supergrass. It's got Blur, it's got Paul Weller cast, oh. Radiohead. It's honestly, this was the first thing that everyone kind of, you know, they, they weirdly enough as well for a now compilation, it's got two Oasis tracks on it. It's got Don't, Back, Don't Live Back in Anger and Live Forever. And Live Forever was the first song I fell in love with. Wow. So, and you know, if you think back when you're a kid, you kind of, it's very much like a primal kind of, do I like this? Do I not like this? Because you're not really thinking, oh, Liam Gallagher, he must be a cool guy. Um, so, you know, you're just thinking, do, do my centuries, centuries? Yeah, do they like, do I like this, basically? So Oasis Live Forever, yeah, that was what inspired me to kind of fall in love with music, really. And wow. I've never kind of looked back ever since. Wow, full circle as well. And if you see people in the Walkman now in the gyms, you might be starting to trend here, Tom. You might be. Yeah, well, they're quite bulky. Yeah, they are. It's quite a bulky thing, <laughs> and um, I do find you know the problem with the with the Walkman, the, the headphones is because I've got quite a Lego head uh, with my <laughs> hair. That basically, you know, that they're obviously like the headband of a, like a Walkman. Yeah, it's like hat hair. Yeah, okay. like yeah. just in the middle of my just head, I've got like this flat line thing. <laughs> um, but no, look, it's 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 all good, and um, I'm yet to see any form of benefit from going to the gym in the sense of aesthetically, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, I think, you know, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm in good health. I'm good. enjoying the gigs and festivals good. and whatnot. So that's the main thing, but yeah, no guns. Uh, I'm not getting, you know, the Bruce Spinks, you know, I'm not going to be wearing a vest anytime soon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All well, your fans will just be suddenly, you know, gutted right now, as you say that just, um, <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, <laughs> maybe I'm I'm doing them. Um, I'm, I'm they'll thank me in advance, actually. <laughs> no. Um, well, obviously, the title "Love and Light" you've you've spoken about, you know, reflecting an album which is full of darkness, but then also full of like light at the end, and mm, this hope, mm. and you know, you're saying that you're in great health, which is amazing, and you've spoken very openly and amazingly about having had Crohn's disease and having Crohn's disease for a long period of your life. How does that shift your perspective on life and in particular this hope within the album how much is that kind of from you know having Crohn's and, and being in great health right now I think since uh 2018 I think that was probably the biggest shift because um I was in hospital for like two months and I was making my first album at the time I was like three weeks into the recording of that and um so when you're in hospital for two months that kind of gives you a lot of time to think about things so i think ever since i've kind of left hospital and I, about four days after um that initial two months time i was on uh, doing some gigs with snow patrol and i think from that gig i've always had the mentality of like kind of just taking every day as it comes and just trying to enjoy that process of just um you know being lucky to be alive and to be making music and to be playing music and doing music as my job so ever since then I think it that's where the kind of hopeful mentality has come from really of yeah. just um feeling like I've got to take on life and that's what 
kind of my second album was about uh obviously everything's waiting for you is it's very much in that title like and then this record was like um a very like reflective kind of personal record of you know obviously writing songs kind of about people that are close to me whether it be my sister or uh my best friend uh, or people you know I lost make, making the record and things like that and but there is there's songs about my health and there with songs like tomorrow mm-hmm. which is largely about kind of never knowing what tomorrow will bring but kind of being hopeful that things will be okay kind of thing and I think Crohn's whether you've got a, like a chronic illness like that it kind of does teach you to kind of save you the day and uh be thankful that you're kind of healthy you know it's it's this is why I kind of gave up things like alcohol because having a hangover just seemed like such a waste of a day and kind of you know your health really so what what it has enabled me is to kind of be like obviously I'm like the, probably the cleanest living musician out there so I, you know I don't drink don't do drugs don't smoke I'm like a a pure temple of what a role model. yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's great. <laughs> but um what you know and then you see people on the festival circuit or on tour or support stops whatever not stereophonics they're very very take it very seriously but um you know people kind of just kind of be like feeling like groggy you know mm-hmm. and you know you do get groggy from being tired and traveling and all that stuff but alcohol and drugs and all that kind of stuff you know I know it sounds very very on rock and roll but when you're doing like 100 gigs a year you kind of you want to be on form for it and um I think it's just enabled me to kind of, yeah, not take life for granted and just really make the most of being healthy and just putting everything I can into the shows and into the music, really. And it is like so inspirational for for fans, obviously, for people who are maybe aspiring musicians, people that might have Crohn's disease. Like it's amazing the platform that you've got that you're, you know, it is such a great role model and setting a really good example because, yeah, this whole like rock and roll lifestyle, but actually like just being happy, healthy and being able to just do each live each day to your maximum is like a great to be able to like set that example and definitely we'll be talking more about that throughout the record and um obviously in particular with the title track but before so the artwork I'm really always fascinated by artwork so um obviously really captivating vivid the bluebird so it's Dan Baldwin's artwork yeah um where was the inspiration behind that did he have the image and you're like I love it or did you like kind of say I have this thing in mind uh, so he had the image already. I've been a fan with of his work for quite a while. I think I first came across his work. He did some stuff for Palinatini. Oh, nice! Yeah, it was really cool. And my manager, he's a huge Dan Baldwin fan. You go round to his place, and it's like a gallery of Dan really? Baldwin stuff. And I said to him, I saw this the swallow, and I was like, "What? What is going on there? What's it called?" And he was like, "Oh, it's called Love and Light." the artwork's called love and light and i said okay we need to somehow because i knew dan was a fan of my music as well he was a fan him and his son were a fan of collide the album so i was like okay we need to somehow see if we can use this as artwork and then i but i need to connect it to the album somehow i just don't want it to be like okay we've got this artwork it needs to feel like part of the album so i would look at that artwork and i'd be like okay so it's a swallow what's it doing okay it's flying okay and then it would be like okay you just build from that and then um that's where the love and light song came about so fly fly to love and light yeah and it's so it's very literal in the sense of the initial inspiration really of the of the artwork but um and then i was kind of trying to connect to myself and then i kind of thought about my sister with that kind of song and um 
I wanted to also with this this the artwork of this record to kind of break away from um I suppose the two the first two albums they kind of felt like a concert a continuation where it's like just me on the cover in yeah. like a nice natural setting uh and I thought let's let's break it up a little bit and then hopefully mo- moving forward it will kind of you know it'll feel like a new chapter from there as well mm-hmm Wicked. And I've noticed the old, you've been having it on some of your like clothing when you've been doing um, performances. Yeah, yeah. yeah, nice. The love and light swag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've got, I've got, I've got um, Levi's. They are, they're a fan of the songs and they basically, they sent me two jackets so I could put some swallows on them, Wicked. which was pretty cool. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm rock and roll in there some ways. But um, <laughs> yeah. I've got some shoes. Um, so I feel like a, a premiership footballer, you know, when they get their initials on, on their shoe and all that kind of stuff. Um, I also got a shirt as well that I'm going to wear on tour. Wicked. So, yeah, the only problem with all of this, because Dan is quite an, a successful artist, I can't really use it for any merch. So, oh, of course. Yeah. So it's very much like limited one of ones or twos. So, uh, but yeah, we have the licensing to use it as a vinyl and CD, et cetera, and all that stuff. And and cassette, which is, is yeah, very cool. But um yeah, no, really happy with the artwork actually. Like it's it feels a bit more pro than just having my uh Lego head on the cover. <laughs> yeah. Um well to go through track by track, obviously start off with Trick of the Light and um so you co wrote it with Matt Hales. Correct, and yeah. you said it's one of the quickest songs you've ever written. How was that as a process? Well, we were, uh, the problem we had with that one is I had a train to catch. Oh, right. So it was literally like, okay, I've got, we've got, I had this, I came in with the, 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 uh, the uh, initial guitar idea and like a couple of melodies that I knew that were kind of would work with that. And it was basically, I had like two hours because he lives in Bath and, um, I didn't want to stay the night that night. I had to go back for something. So I was like, we started the session at 12 and then I had, I think I had maybe a gig that night or something. So I left at like three. So we had three hours and we also cut the demo of it in that time as well. So I think all in all, probably about half an hour of the actual song. And it was like, it was like very, very quick. And he's, he's a real, he's a cool guy, man. He's like, um, yeah, again, it's that going back to that thing I was saying earlier about kind of being a music fan. It's just like, I'm, I like Aqualung's music. Like I remember going into Woolworths and buying the CD of uh, strange and beautiful and all that stuff. Oh, wow. It's uh, very, very cool. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll do some more stuff with Matt as well. I think it was like a really fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. And obviously the video also looked really fun to do. And I was going to say that I particularly noticed being a 90s kid that there was a lava lamp in the video. Yeah. And yeah, have you got yeah. one behind you or is that not? Yeah, I'm a big, uh, yeah, big lava lamp fan. Um, was it your idea to have the lava lamp in the video? Yeah, we'll be taking them on tour as well. Oh, have you? Um, yeah, we're going to take them on tour. And the, the, the funny thing about lava lamps taking them on tour, you have to wait for them to cool down before you can move them. Yeah. <laughs> so oh we'll be at, at the venues at about one o'clock in the morning. But yeah. um yeah, I got a lot of flack for that, for the video, actually. Because really? I think people miss, yeah. You know, like, when we did Sunday Brunch, we didn't actually get trolled, which I was expecting we'd get trolled, you know. Dave from, I don't know, wherever, is going to be like, <laughs> this is awful. 
this is <laughs> off. What is music today? You know, that kind of vibe. Um, yeah, but yeah. no, I got flack for my dance moves. Oh, what? But I no. think what you, I don't know if you got onto this, because um, obviously, again, being a big Britpop fan, uh, it's actually the video's based on Pulp Babies. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, so check out Pulp Babies okay. and Pulp Babies. then watch my video. It's exactly the same video. Oh. Yes. And I'm the reason I'm dancing like that is because I'm trying to channel my inner Jarvis Cocker. Right, right, but right. I got tweets saying Rick Astley had better moves. <laughs> and, um, oh, uh, dad dancing and all, oh. all these kind of things. So people of the internet, you can shove it up your ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my moves are not going anywhere. No, honestly, it was a lot of fun <laughs> making that video. We did it in, again, quite quick time. Because that day we filmed a load of other things. We did that video as well in rap. So it was kind of cool because we recorded that song there as well. So. Oh, right. Nice. Yeah. It's a real great song to open the album with. And the second song, probably one of my favourites off the album, um, you've spoken, wonder, Wonderful Wonder, you've spoken about how your songs are like diary entries of where you are at that point in your life. And quite literally at that point when writing this song. So you wrote this on your own in Paris. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I was away with my girlfriend and we were kind of very early days. It was just before COVID hit. So we'd been going out probably about like a month, not even not very long, and I was feeling, I've you know, quite I'm quite uh, a mushy kind of guy anyway. Like, um, so I we went there for Valentine's Day, oh. so it was quite a bold thing to do, I think, to take her to Paris after only knowing her for a month to celebrate Valentine's Day. But um, the song's like a very literal thing of like every word kind of happened in that song. So like without revealing too much stuff like i remember it's obviously very it was like february so i think covid was march wasn't it yeah it's just so for but it. for some reason paris was really quiet at night and i remember um like we walked back to where we were staying and it, it was quite quiet i thought i'd put on some music as well on my phone mm. and when i remember we had a little dance listening to uh david gray's this year's love oh beautiful which is one of my one of my favorite ever like love songs and she's a big david gray fan i think she knew that she had me when she first time like um we like i suppose kissed was basically she put on um what was it david gray's white lather album i thought she i, th- I said to myself she's going she's trying to fuck me over with this shit <laughs> like you know where she feels like you know where they've got like the secret ingredients yeah to, to woo your heart or something but um so yeah it's it is a very like romantic song and i think you know i'm obviously i suppose people a lot of people would if they're into my music kind of know me for like more of the kind of um breakup stuff maybe like my first ever song was obviously little love which was very much like every little bit of love was wasted on us you know it can't get more uh (laughs) breakup than that but um this one is a very joyous love song really and it's the crazy thing about this song um, I put out a thing on my social media yesterday. Is that it's already had a wedding? It's already had a wedding. Oh yeah, so you went to or- Oregon. Yeah, so I sent this song to my friend 
who works in the music industry as like feedback. He was like, me and my partner love it. Can we get married to it? And I was like, dude, it's not even out yet. You sure about this? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's honestly, it's like the perfect wedding song. So crazy. And so mm-hmm. like, if you think it's only, it wasn't even out and it's already had a wedding. So I'm just hoping that it will land some big movie sync to Definitely. Richard Curtis's comeback to Notting Hill or something yes. like that. If he's listening let's manifest this because it is it's like i was so inspired by like david gray like badly drawn boy um mm. you know the, the strings at the beginning is badly drawn boy and all that kind of vibrate and david gray's the piano at the start it's all of that kind of stuff of like timeless like love songs like van morrison you know i think he does it really well those kind of things and yeah my favorite song on the record i think I like to dance Take you out tonight See the city and the neon skies I like to shout Tell the world right now How I'm feeling and scream it out loud And I know you feel the same way What a wonderful, wonderful Oh no, it is such a beautiful record and such like a a lovely, romantic, just beautiful love song as well. And um, also another great song, obviously the third song, The One. So it's first of five songs off the record co-written with Carrie Willits. Have I said that right? Yeah, Carrie Willits. Yeah, yeah. He always gets annoyed because it's either, some people put one T or two Ts. And I actually don't know which it is. So I'm going to just, I don't know. But he, he's, so Carrie, I met him through my manager and he, again, a, a fanboy again or because he was in the band athlete mm. and um again big fans of those guys um knowing carrie for 10 years and he's kind of been like someone where i dip in and out with or working with him and he's just a lovely guy and we wrote the one together during lockdown i think it was over zoom which is you know it just shows how well we kind of know each other the fact that we can write a song like that and it would come kind of come together and feel great over zoom which is obviously quite a unique thing to write a song on um and then that went really well and we thought okay maybe we'll do some more of this kind of style of song really it's kind of more of a poppier thing than i'm used to but i think when you make your third album you kind of have to try and do something new a little bit you know and i think it was it was doing something new but it's actually it's a really we've been playing at the festivals and on support gigs this summer and it's um it translates really well on on the acoustic guitar actually it feels it feels great really good so when you're writing songs do you find you have to write with the guitar or you can literally just write lyrics like i said over zoom without any form of like instrument so that one the one started off in the shower all right yeah 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 so i had the i was i was thinking oh, i need to write something like uh a hosier kind of rang and bow man kind of thing so i was like humming in the shower like mm-hmm. you know that's mm-hmm. kind of thing and that's how it initially started and um but yeah it's it's like collaborating or writing songs on your own it's kind of like it, it it's one of the best things about the job really because it's like i always think about the song everything's waiting for you from the last album like i wrote that as um as like a voice note to my girlfriend who was feeling nervous about like a job interview kind of thing yeah and um i just got up that morning at eight in the morning literally 
15, 20 minutes, worked on this idea and sent it to her. And it was Everything's Waiting For You. And that's how the song kind of came about. Um, and I always just think back to that, like, it's very much like uh, just a burst of inspiration, like 15, 20 minutes, send it to her. And then it's been used on like pretty much most of the TV shows in England. It's just yeah. crazy, really. You know, it pop, I remember it popped up on The Voice and we were watching The Voice with my girlfriend's family. And I was like, that's so bizarre because we were just watching it. And it just comes on. Wow. And it's like, it's, and then it gets on Strictly and uh, what was it? MasterChef, all these random shows that I wouldn't, you know, you, you'd just never imagine when you're writing a song that they would pop up in these places really. But um, yeah, working with Kerry was, you know, we worked on Let Go, which was again, a really fun song. And with Let Go, that was very much inspired by like the one of like basically, okay, we need something that's going to work with the one so it doesn't feel like an outcast on the record. And then if this is how the story ends and Love and Light, the more acoustic ones, then they're kind of, that's, I think, to be honest, if, if I was to be really honest, I think like where I'm at my best is when it's just, it's kind of like just me and the acoustic guitar and I can kind of tell a story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, I think we did that really well with like Love and Light and if this is how the story ends, really. And the video for the one is also very cool. Hopefully you've had no trouble yeah. because it's, it's very cool. But you, uh, who needs a hands-free phone when you can uh, take the whole phone around? Where was yeah. that shot? That looked like a lot of different uh, locations. That was shot in Ireland, yeah. Oh. So we basically, that's a funny one because we basically blew all the, the the video budget from the label on that video. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then we were like, okay, we have no money left for the rest of the with the video. So that's why we did a fan video for <laughs> Let Go. And um, Trick of the Light was obviously in a recording studio. So we were, okay, we'll get some recording on there. And we'll film a video. So, um, yeah, we basically blew all the money on on, <laughs> on that video. But um, I wanted to make, because I thought it was a very poppy video, I wanted to make like a pop video. And I think... I think it's a really cool video. The only thing I'm kind of a bit gutted about on that video is like, uh, it was like the last stage of like my health not being in a very good place where I was on like steroids. So I always feel like I've got a moon face in that video, but. Um, They're looking great. But, uh, oh no, it's, it's, it, it was good. It was really good fun. It was, it was cold. It was cold though. It was cold. My hands were so cold carrying. <laughs> cold in the phone. I was, it was filmed in December as well. I had a little oh sweater on. Like it wasn't like little in the sense it was tiny, but it was like thin. Um, yeah, not like a shrunken crop top kind of vibe. But um, yeah, and I was carrying obviously the this telephone, like a uh, old school nineteen seventies telephone. And my hands were so cold. Anyway, enough moaning. But yeah, <laughs> dedication to the arts. That's what it is. Exactly. Yeah. I was the first. The last You are my heaven I feel so fast How could you run away With the light Left me in the dark Still in my heart How could you dance With the devil and lie Tell me it's alright Don't tell me so the four songs you let go, like you said, yeah, the video is great with all the different fans yeah, singing and kind very, of very cool. very much like uniting everyone in heartache, really, because the song itself kind of, you know, you said is like the thread from the one where you're following this, getting over someone and then yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. dealing with the angst and the heartbreak of that. So did 
So did you write those songs close together, the one and then let go? Pretty close together. And they're not, they're kind of obviously their songs about other people's kind of relationships in some ways. And I've drawn from my previous relationships as well. So, because mm-hmm. I can't write an album about just 12 songs of just, you know, how great my girlfriend is because that just be, no one wants to listen to that but um you know yeah like I think that one was inspired again by like Gautier and things like that and uh John Mayer and it's a it's a fun one and we it's actually gonna really I think it's gonna really come to life when we do it on tour I think that's when it's gonna really hit home <laughs> obviously the fifth song if this is how the story ends so you've kind of said it's one of the saddest songs you've ever written um tackling your parents divorce and you know that realization that things aren't always meant to be but having the hope and love that we kind of spoke about earlier that um you can keep things like together that one was actually fully inspired by the uh show this is us oh right yeah do you you find this is us yeah i i've haven't seen the all of it, but I've definitely seen okay. some The last series of This Is Us basically deals with a breakup of they've got kids together. It's uh, God, I feel like the show was only last year, but I've forgotten the cast character name. Toby and Kate, that's it. Toby and Kate, obviously, they're together, they've got a kid, and, but they don't work out in the end. Sorry to spoilers alert. Okay. Um, but she says a really nice thing, and it kind of made me... Did, think of my parents as well it's like just because you're not together doesn't mean it's the end kind of like this is you know they actually say the line this is not how our story ends and that's where i got it from oh wow yeah yeah so i've stolen quite a lot of songs from that show <laughs> in some way stolen inspiration can you steal inspiration i don't know so also the i did an ep called you and i mm-hmm. which was again randall and his uh Oh my god! I can't remember what's this, what's the Randall's wife called. Not got a clue. Anyway, she says to him while in bed, she says, "What was my lyric? Was it you and I? Nothing is forever except you and I." And she says that, and I'm like, "I'm still in that." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, but a lot of lot. I was I had a thing on radio two yesterday where um, I said I spent half the album basically writing it while watching EastEnders. Oh, on EastEnders! You. Yeah, God. Yeah. So because I basically what happens is. My mum or my girlfriend, because I write a lot of songs when I go home as well, will say that you don't really do much, do you? Like, you know, you don't really, they think I'm not working because I'm yeah. literally just on a guitar watching something, noodling for about an hour. But that's how I write songs. It's just basically daydreaming and like having something on the background. Just I think it's that kind of state of like no pressure kind of thing of just like, you kind of be like, where did the last 15 minutes go? And that's that's kind of what happens really. Wow. So obviously we've got like TV, obviously other artists, music, mm, any form of mm. like books or any other form of art or like paintings or anything that not yeah, that they well, need anymore. <laughs> no, obviously, um, yeah, dance stuff and all folks, uh, I've got, I collect Polaroids. So I often oh. kind of rummage through those to kind of like 
draw inspiration so a lot you'll find a lot of my songs say the word polaroid in them mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah and then the biggest inspiration is is like friendships really like yeah is that's the kind of biggest one i suppose is drawing from people's stories and be like then you'll take a phrase from something they've said or an experience and you know that's how like songs like tears kind of came about uh you know the first line is you said don't cry which is obviously about my friend's mum kind of talking to her who basically passed away and it's a feeling of basically passing away but knowing that you'll be fine even when they're gone kind of thing that's kind of where that song kind of comes about come back to actually we will come back to tears as well so i'm really excited to talk about that one and with it this is how the story ends i also really love the like sprinkling of like piano throughout the song as well but, so yeah i think kerry's done a great great job on the production of that one like i suppose again inspired by like jose gonzalez and is it sifrin stevens i never know how to pronounce his name but that kind of thing but um i was also listening to like nick mulvey and bruno major and basically of that kind of world of singer songwriter where it's like very chill and almost like i don't know it's like you can kind of lose yourself in it a bit which is nice i think yeah gosh your playlist must be brilliant every you know i'm just like a a music fan really i'm not the greatest of singers i'm not the greatest of songwriters or any of these things i'm like i'm just i think what i my kind of skill is the fact that i you know i I like good music, I think, and kind of try and just absorb that as much as I can into my own music. Um, and I wear my like influences on my sleeve, and I don't think that's a bad thing because I do think I'm still making something new. Yeah. You know? Well, you've been very modest because your song, your songwriting sings is amazing. And definitely like the songs that resonate to a lot of people and as a listener, yeah, the lyrics are just amazing throughout the album. I just want to be somebody So on the sixth song, obviously the title track, Love and Light. So do you mind talking about the inspiration? So it's your sister um, who referenced Kathy in the song, but um, Catherine yeah. and kind of her as a mother, which is adorable. Yeah. So she she's uh, she basically it's a it's a difficult one because obviously you're talking about someone else here. But without revealing too much, she's kind of her. I suppose her teenage years were like kind of very difficult for her and stuff. And that song was kind of written as like um kind of just to say like I'm just so happy that you're kind of you know you're you're happy and you you know raise these great kids and they come to the gigs and it's just like they're so they all get on and it's amazing she's she's actually raised six. Oh my gosh is, yeah, amazing woman gear which is, and they're all really lovely the kids and it's kind of that thing of like you know it's not how you kind of start in life it's kind of you know you shouldn't be defined by your kind of childhood and things like that and um it's it's again about that kind of hope that things will kind of get better and there's light at the end of the tunnel and all these kind of things and it's um yeah inspired by her and also dan's artwork Artwork. yeah of the of the record and um and another little sneaky inspiration as well again without revealing my playlist too much it was inspired by one one Direction's Harry Styles. 
Oh. Yeah, so he had a song called Matilda on his last record. Oh, that's bad. Which is a really, it's a, no, it's a really lovely song, actually. And I was like, I said to Kerry, I was like, I'd love to write a song like that. And so I started getting kind of get my thinking cap on with that kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's a special one. I need to kind of work out how to play it live because it is obviously just an acoustic song, but it's like building everything around it because I think it has like a really nice soundscape around it. Yeah. Were you there when you first played it to your sister? Did you like see her reaction? Well, so she, she, uh, she basically, uh, I, I was like, I was because with the way gigs work, I was like, can I meet you? And she was like, I can't. Basically, every date she suggested I was gigging on. Oh, nice. So I was, I had to just send it to her. All right. Okay, nice. Yeah, I would have loved to have like played it to her in person, but she, it was like by the time that I could, because I wanted to basically, it has to be the right time when you're playing a, like a, you know, like a, an emotive song like that you know I didn't want to do it while all her kids were around like talking through it or something <laughs> or like you know a family get together it just didn't seem appropriate but um I think she really likes the song she seems really proud of it and um yeah it's it's nice actually because her her family came to the gig at Victorious uh it's she couldn't be there because it's a bit difficult to get childcare for six but yeah. uh, some of them <laughs> were there so but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a special one. She's coming to the gigs. She's coming to a gig in in London though, in Islington. So that'd be cool. Oh, wicked! Well, that'll be a very special moment. Be able to hopefully play that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Song. I just need to write now a song for the other. I've got three sisters. So I know I was going to say yeah, the other two. Like, come on. <laughs> no, well, it's, um, they they have actually individually had songs before, but they just oh. haven't been name checked in a song. Yeah. So I'll work my way. You know, I've got plenty more albums, hopefully, in me. I can kind of go through it, go through. Go yeah. Through it. yeah. It's when you then start doing nieces and nephews, then you're, you know. Christ, yeah. There's a few there. Yeah, I'll be up, be up, yeah. It'll be like um, Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, just be like, name, name, name. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, God. Or like, um, what's that Paul Simon one, 50 Ways to Deliver? Oh, 50 ways yeah, to yeah, deliver. Jack. Get out of the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gus, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, that's make a plan, Stan. It'd be a bit weird, <laughs> maybe singing a love song about my nephews or nieces. <laughs> but yeah, there you go, rock and roll. You were a mystery. I close my eyes and fall asleep. You try so hard to hide the world from me. You always covered up your scars Slide of hand, you play guitar I know your heart was breaking every time and I... So the seventh song, Beautiful Feeling, I love the strings um, introduction. Mm. It features a lot throughout the record, the strings. How much mm. do you enjoy layering the song in particular with the strings on this one? That was, honestly, that was so, so, so cool. Because we did the strings last on the, the part of the, the last kind of uh, bit of the recording for that song was putting the strings on. So we had the template of what the strings would do kind of programmed in and then, okay, we're like, okay, we're going to get the strings in like in a couple of weeks time kind of thing. And um, that was, again, it was just like, cause I didn't have to work that day really apart from listening. So I didn't have to play guitar or sing cause all my bits had been done. So I could really fully enjoy the process of like hearing 
you know, something that Rich, uh, who also produced and co-wrote that song, uh, you know, something we created, like kind of coming back at us, like just so, so cool. And we, they also did Wonderful Wonder that day as well. And it's something that I've never fully done before, like the whole kind of strings thing, but it's something I'd really like to get more into. I think actually as well, that listening to the new Noel Gallagher record, he his use of strings on um, on that, I can't remember the title of it now, it's gone out of my head but yeah it's on on the, that kind of romantic james bond style song do you, do you know what i'm talking about um, i'm thinking of open the door but i don't think it is that one no it's the more of acoustic one it's like what the best song on the record that one i think but it's completely gone out of my head because i'm thinking about my own song yeah, but, yeah. but yeah it's i've always wanted to write a song like that where it's just full-on epic and it we we wrote that song over two days and um we were on. We were walk because we like to walk. I like to walk a lot, and I think that's a lot of the lyrics kind of come while I'm kind of on walks. Uh, and we were walking to the studio the next day, and I was like, <laughs> "It was kind of weird." The first working day was it was called "Magnificent Smile," and I was like, "That is not a good title. It sounds <laughs> full." You know, it wasn't like we. I was like, "We we gotta get rid of." They were like, "Give me that magnificent smile." Like, that is awful. <laughs> so I was like, because we knew it was like, "Give me that something." And we were talking about the strings and I was like, oh, they just give me this beautiful feeling. And I was like, I said it. And I was like, that's the title. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, the, the, the strings are the beautiful feeling. But what, what oh. is the beautiful feeling? And that, that's, what can, that's what it is. It can mean anything to anyone, really, whether it's uh, a cup of tea or, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And you said that it's inspired by touring with Seraphonics as well. Yeah, yeah. Just that anthemic kind of huge you know we were playing gigs with them and they would play like songs like dakota and things like that and it's just like they're just mammoth tunes aren't they yeah and um obviously i'm not i don't i have a band that play with me but it's not like a bandy bandy sound it's not like i remember i sent the album to embrace the everything's waiting for you record and they were like oh it's such a chilled record and i was thinking i i don't think of the album as that chilled but to indie bands i think it is still quite chilled but I think with this one, you can hear that it kind of... It, it, could you say it's indie rock? I don't know. How have you normally been describing it? Like, yeah, I suppose folk indie rock? Folk indie yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I, well, so hard to pigeonhole. Kind of, yeah. They always put my music as like folk indie pop, I think. Yeah, fo- so, yeah okay, right. Yeah, so yeah, I think this that one delivers... Like the Verve, obviously with the post in the background, it kind of delivers that kind of bittersweet symphony i you know i always hear it kind of i could imagine like you two bono singing it as well like think of like give me that beautiful feeling kind of him singing that bit kind of yeah but uh it's a fun one we're um we're playing that song i think second in the set so it'll be like trick of the light then into beautiful feeling oh wicked very exciting well it's such a like a a layered album as well so it's very hard to like you say pigeonhole genres and things like that yeah
the eighth song tomorrow. So you wrote it with Rich Turvey, who's someone you've worked with lots before in the past. Yeah, we went to university together. I was his best man at his wedding. Oh, right. Did you sing at the wedding? No, no, he wouldn't let me. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like you've done it enough, mate. You're yeah. not, not playing <laughs> okay. my wedding. Um, oh, fair enough. No, I did a speech and all that best man speech. I think I ended up crying, which is brilliant. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's just uh, it doesn't really feel like work when you're working with your best mate. Yeah. Well, I was going to say obviously because it is such a personal record, and obviously we mentioning Lydia in the next song. Like you're collaborating with quite a lot of obviously best mate and people you've collaborated before yeah, yeah. in the past. How much do you enjoy? Well, how important was it for you on this record being so personal to, I guess, work alongside people you know and trust really well? Well, yeah, I think like someone said to me the other day, said, oh, Tom, you're quite loyal. I was like, that's a weird thing to say. But um, <laughs> they, what they were trying to say is like, um, what I realised is I've been working with the same people for nearly 10 years. It hasn't changed that much, really. Obviously, Chris uh, Bond, who did the first kind of album and then he did a bit of the second one as well um but otherwise than that nothing's really changed too much like Lydia's been singing with me for seven years Rich worked a bit on album one did half of album no a couple of songs on album two uh Carrie's been on there for 10 years uh Turin Breaks you know I owe so much to those guys like they've been with me for 10 years um so it's like it feels like I've got my mini set of, of like Avengers or something. And uh, maybe does that make me like Robert Downey Jr.? Is he like the kind of, <laughs> does, he, does he like the kind of the guy that kind of gluing the Avengers together where he just calls up Spider-Man, which would be maybe like uh, Lydia or something <laughs> or Black Widow or something would be Lydia maybe. But, but um, yeah, it's just like, it's good to have good people around you. I think, and very talented, good people around me. You know, the project wouldn't be what it is without those people. Yeah. Any comparison to Robert Downey Jr. as well, it's just definitely. Yeah, well, I always have fond memories of him. And I don't know if you, this is probably showing my age again. I'm just, um, Ali, Ali McBill. No, I've never seen that one. Yeah. So this is maybe, I don't know how old you are, Lauren, but. I'm, well, I'm. 29 i'm 90s kid yeah you, yeah you, yes yeah you're probably too young for the uh, <laughs> old ali mcbill you're probably you're still what's, <laughs> I don't know. yeah but no it's good yeah he was an ali mcbill because he was kind of like his career was he was obviously quite turbulent with his his behavior of yeah. drugs and all that kind of stuff so he yeah. was kind of a lot of the time with robert downey he was actually like at that time like late 90s he was kind of like not a gun for hire really he was kind of bit of a bad boy yeah a bit of a bad boy yeah but i'm not that but yeah but yeah. um <laughs> yeah. you still shine when i disappear you're the only thing i need the world can wait for you and me no one knows what tomorrow holds I think Lydia sounds so good on, you know, like uh, Aftermath and Escape. And she sounds amazing on Aftermath as well. I think that's a real fan favourite, really. Yeah, well, it's such a beautiful song. And um, yeah, like you said, obviously co-wrote it. So hang on. So you co-wrote that one with Ollie and Gail from... Turin, Turin, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And that was song was an interesting one as well because it was written over two or three years. Oh wow! Yeah, so I had we had the song, and I was so what basically with with them, and I'm doing it for the next record. I write with them every year, even when I'm not making records. I'll, I'll write with them, whether it's for their stuff or mine, mainly for my stuff. You know how it normally works, but we'll write probably I don't know how many songs are written, but maybe like we'll write maybe like. 30 or 40 songs a year together. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So we'll do like, I'll come in and I think they do think I'm a bit of a crazy guy because like I'll come in and I'll have like three songs and be like, okay, we're doing this today. And I I treat it quite, (laughs) I've never been one for like jamming or anything. I'm quite like structured with the way I work. So I'm like, we're doing this and then we'll we'll go for lunch and then we're going to work on this. And it's, it's quite a structured process but what will happen is i'll come in with three songs we might not finish all of them and then i'll kind of basically review them in a week's time and that's normally how it works so loads of songs have happened like that my 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 which is on the early eps was originally a song called uh, bring down the rain again not a very good title yeah. gotta change it um so it's it's those things of like writing a song live with it see what feels good and then i'll come back to it with them again at the next session or something like that so aftermath we had the intro which is the ui kind of bit at the beginning and then i had the verse which hasn't changed but we, the chorus that i originally had wasn't great and then two years later i was like okay you remember that song we did and they always were like no i don't remember it because they never they like we do so many songs but i'm kind of keeping kind of like a spreadsheet of oh, everything wow. we're doing yeah and which says again this sounds like very unmusical but when you're kind of working through a lot of ideas you kind of got to be quite labeled with it um i went back and revisited that core i was like we need to write a nice chorus and i think it should be something like this and then they just pulled it out of the bag within you know kind of half an hour and that was the song done and and i kind of had it in mind that i wanted lydia to kind of take the chorus for it as that kind of interplay between a relationship of almost like a conversation. Well, and then it was played out on Love Island. Yes, which is what, you know, what is, when you're writing a song, you're thinking, <laughs> this is going to be on Love Island. But on that one, we did, I remember when I handed in the album, I was like, because we had quite a lot of support from Love Island in the past, I was thinking, it's probably about three songs that are Love Island worthy on here, whether it's the recoupling of the one, or any of those things but i was really surprised that they put trick of the light on love island i thought that was kind of an interesting one yeah uh, upbeat yeah very upbeat for them yeah yeah, yeah. There you go. are you living uptown do you ever get down when you think about think about us So the 10th song, Escape, obviously, again, with Lydia, co-written with Lydia. Um, you guys must be a, a pretty well-oiled machine now in terms of, like, sitting down and writing. Yeah, it doesn't, again, it doesn't, it's not, you know, with Turin, it's like they're more kind of like, okay, we're going to write songs to go with Lydia. It's kind of like if we get a sound check or something like that, and you've just got a piano there or something, and I've got my acoustic, then we'll kind of be like, oh, let's, we, we've got an hour, let's see if we can do something. Um 
but yeah, she's she's just like you know we. I think the first song we ever did together was "Him for Her," which was on the second record, right? And the great thing about working with her is like she, you know, if you've got an idea, she can like just sing it, and then also, you know, she's got so much in her like wheelhouse of like what she can do with melodies. She'll take your initial idea and then just really expand on it and make it kind of, you know, her own idea. And it's um, she's a very like gifted singer, and she's also so easy to kind of work with. We've never had an argument in like seven years, and um, she's an absolute trooper, really. Like with um, anything I throw at her, she's kind of like she just takes it on board. Whether it's like playing a shaker, bass, keyboard, singing all at the same time, <laughs> yeah. it's quite incredible. Like her musicianship and everything really and I, I do just love the female vocals like throughout a lot of your yeah. songs and you kind of said before about Damien Rice and yeah how yeah, that's yeah yeah kind of yeah I'd love to know a that was it that. yeah I remember seeing him as a kid I was I would say him and David Gray were the first songwriters I kind of got into out of the kind of Britpop kind of thing you obviously you know that Britpop had Paul Weller and all that kind of stuff but I'm talking like where it's very like inward songwriting where it's like quite personal and stuff. Whereas the Britpop thing was all all about united feelings together, I think. And Damien Rice, I saw him at Brixton Academy and he had Lisa Hannigan. I remember thinking he's great, but she's even better. Like, And I think that's the kind of thing with my stuff. Like I've always had like, again, I think my biggest kind of skill was being a music fan and knowing like what talent is and spotting talent so I've had some amazing singers along the way I've had like the staves singing on my record and yes I worked with Lisa Hannigan as well we wrote yes, some songs together say, yeah. and I just think the interplay between the female and male vocal is just something I'm surprised more people don't do it really because everything I touch every pair of leads to you So the penultimate song, Tears, I really like the distinct introduction with the kind of like drums and percussion. What was it like yeah. producing this song? Um, do you know what? The Tears was actually, uh, originally it was a song that, if I'm being honest as well, I struggled with quite a bit because I was like, is this going to work? Like I didn't, because it was kind of different. It was kind of like, I always really loved the like, the soothing meditative like hums on the record that, that have the intro that kind of do that kind of thing but I was originally struggling with like are people just going to think this is another breakup song and then it was kind of again a, a thing of revisiting the lyrics and making sure that people knew that this song was about someone passing and kind of that feeling of warmth that they're still with you and they're kind of like saying you know just because I'm gone don't let it basically like destroy you I want you to move on and be happy and all these kind of things but so we, we we did actually rework that song quite a few times um and my favorite bit of the song is actually the middle eight where it's like and I hope you're looking down you know that kind of bit yeah, and yeah. um I have a fun memory as well of that session where um it was the it was the heat wave we recorded all, all those kind of songs you remember last summer 
not like this summer where it's just been absolutely abysmal but last yeah, summer it was song? obviously the heat wave and um the we were recording the song in Carey's loft he's got like a studio loft and it was so so hot everything was just melting so we could only do like a couple of hours a day because literally the equipment couldn't take it it would like yeah so anyway Lydia came in her she's got a dog quite it was a puppy at the time so she was you know was with her all, all the time really she brought the dog along to the studio and <laughs> I wonder if you get the multi-tracks of this uh, of the recording takes. But anyway, she comes in to do a vocal, and that bit that goes "Don't cry, don't cry," and literally all the dog was doing while Lydia was obviously singing her bit, and the dog was wanting attention, was going like crying in the background. So it's, it's it, whenever I think <laughs> like of that, whining. I don't think of yeah, whining. I don't think <laughs> of the sentiment of it being quite a emotional song i just think of lydia's dog crying in the corner yeah but it would have um, been interesting if that had been in the background of the audio yeah maybe yeah I mean, i'll see if i can get one day the multi-takes of that and you'll just hear yeah. <laughs> in the background. Yeah. but um it sounds like i'm being tortured or something yeah. but uh <laughs> no that song is it, again it was inspired by um this is us more so on that one the soundtrack of that one there was just a lot of songs that the feeling of that soundtrack i was like i'd love this song to be synced on a show like this is us and i was kind of like trying to channel that kind of acoustic folk kind of world really i think it's a great song and it leads really nicely up to the last song simple things um which i i love your like raw vocals with the guitar to accompany mm, yeah, yeah. The beautiful words just to quote some of your lyrics i love the line ever along the roads that we walk growing old's a gift that can't be bought so good um oh, and it really thanks. shows off your vocal range as well what's this one like to sing live have you sang it live yeah we've done it we did it at the in-stores uh i played it at some of the festivals it's a song about friendship it's a song about my best mate he's a guy called james and we've known each other long before i was a mediocre pop star <laughs> <laughs> uh, um yeah we've known each other since we were kids and he's always kind of like believed in me which has been nice really because i was in my 20s i lost a lot of those years to crone so yeah i didn't release my first song until i was like 30 right so i that's quite old i had i was obviously making music but i didn't really i don't i wasn't like signed and didn't have a a six, semi-successful song until I was 30. And he got me a present saying, uh, like, you know when they do these presents for, like, sound waves of the song? Oh, right, yeah, yeah. He got me a present saying, uh, Little Love, 30 years in the making. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's just, honestly, he's always been so, so supportive of my music. And um, I wanted to write him a song. And it's it's a song about, uh, yeah, just growing up together and the, and the feeling of, you know, um the song tears again was obviously inspired by my friend's mum who passed away but it was also inspired by i used to teach guitar to um to kind of people around like the richmond borough era area 
before I was kind of, I suppose, while I was kind of writing music and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I taught um, a number of students, had like 20 at one one go, but I, I taught this guy called Paul and Michael, uh, who were like a father and son kind of thing. And I taught them both guitar. Anyway, Paul, I'd known for now like 10 years because obviously it was just before I started making music. But I kept on teaching people kind of when I could, when I wasn't gigging really. And because um, I really enjoyed it. And it kind of, again, a big source of inspiration for like writing songs and, you know, just taking a break from doing my own music is a nice thing. And uh, he he passed away during the um, the uh, the making of the album. And um it's it definitely shapes the way you think about things of like it's it just it is like a, just a privilege to uh grow old and kind of just live life and have friendship and all these kind of things and that's where uh growing old is a gift that can't be bought and that's you know you realize that yeah it's amazing to have fancy cars and all these kind of things but it's actually all quite meaningless unless you have your health and your loved ones around really so um it felt like the the, the best way to um end the record of like summing up the message of the record of yeah love and light of just and it's uh yeah at that and definitely as a listener kind of like being i love listening from track one all the way through to track 12 and in in order and definitely having that like yeah real kind of zest for life at the end of it and just being like just appreciate everything and it's it's a real nice like message to end on as well Ever along the roads we walk Going old's a gift that can't be bought I never had much of a plan The simple things that make a man Wow, we've gone through all 12. Thank you so much. No worries. Thanks so much for having me. It's been so great. I'd do a couple of like quick games at the end. So we do like a quick fire questions about the album, but we've covered a lot of it. Um, Do you have a favourite song off the album? Wonderful Wonder. Yep. Do you have a favourite lyric or song with favourite lyrics? Oh, probably the Simple Things one. Mm. The one that you picked out. I think that that really resonated with me. And yeah, I'm going to go with that one. Which song have you most enjoyed playing live so far? And which, if you haven't played live, are you looking forward to playing live? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to, we haven't played Beautiful Feeling Live, but I'm going to go with that one. Great. I think that one, we've done it in rehearsals. We started rehearsals for the tour next week. You're going to have to come to the tour as well, by the way. I've um, seen this. so exciting. Yeah, you have to come. Um, yeah, so I think, that song i think but trick of the light's been really it's been nice as well because obviously it's been getting played quite a lot on the radio people are singing it back at you that's been really fun um i like playing wonderful wonder as well Well, that's a very like well rounded journey of the song but yeah i think beautiful feeling all in all i think that's going to be like because i'm not playing guitar in it as well Well, i'm gonna have my hands in the air and channel my Oh, no. yeah, Paul, yeah, maybe I'm thinking more Richard Afcroft on that one. Ooh, where okay, hands yeah. in the air, just like, come on, you know, like, boxing mentality or something, Great. you know, going into a fight or something. Yeah. Um, 
So I do a final game called What's the Occasion? And this is very appropriate because we've already kind of answered this. So I give you three occasions and you have to pick three different songs off the album for each occasion. So we have a wedding song. Wonderful Wonder. Wonderful Wonder, which is like perfect. Then I I have a dinner party. So I always kind of say if someone's maybe not heard the record before and you just have one song off the record as a talking piece with friends at a party. Yeah. Well, which one would you go for? Um... I don't really host many dinner parties. That's the uh, I was going to say so trick I'd of the light, but I'd have that as like summer barbecue. Okay, that's a good shot. If it's an outdoor dinner party, yeah. if we're thinking, maybe, maybe, maybe wonderful wonder again. Maybe if you're feeling, yeah, it's got a bit piano over again. Maybe, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that'd be a nice yeah. one. And then, the, well, the last one is a car road trip. So summer windows down. Oh, beautiful feeling! I think. Yes, then. yes. Yeah, great shout. Yeah, with the it's like, I think it even says like driving. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was here, it. That was here it. Here we go. Um, driving at the speed. Of... Yeah, driving at the speed of light. Yeah, that was it. I remember thinking I should remember that lyrics. That's perfect for a car road. Yeah. Well, there you go. I'm hoping as well they, with that song as well because um, "Trick of the Lights" on "Match of the Day," and I'm hoping that will be you. Beautiful feeling will be some major sporting event. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah. You know, like when they pick up a trophy and they'll be like, give me that beautiful feeling. Yes. Come on. Yeah. And then I'll never have to work again. <laughs> yeah. Royalties, <laughs> you're sold. That's it. Yeah. Then. I'll be like Noddy Holder. <laughs> My God, Just what a Christmas like, time. Waiting for Christmas every yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. It's Christmas. Give me the money. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So there is some stat about Mariah Carey and the amount of royalties she gets. Yeah. For, um, Oh, I can't remember what it is. It's literally See, like every year I release a Christmas song and I'm not getting any of that. But well, I'm still waiting for it. Yeah. Keep going, because that's the thing. I yeah. do think Christmas people stopped for a period of time, didn't they? Because they're like Christmas music, we can't do yeah. it. Now I feel like people get if it's one time a year, people can a little, listen. To little it. spoiler as well. Um I've got a Christmas song coming out. So Oh my god. Watch out, yeah. Okay. Very exciting. Okay. There we go. I love Christmas music as well. So people well, I was about to say future wise, so tour. Very soon. Tour tour in the UK and Brazil. And then going to hopefully maybe go on tour again next year with festivals. And I'm going to gonna release some more music, I think, as well next year. But not an album, I don't think. It'll be probably an EP or something. Wicked. Um, Tom, thank you so much. Like It's been a really, really great getting to chat with you. I know you've been so busy. You've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, so thank you so much for your time. Also, I love the clever use of LP. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Well, I'll take Doesn't that. noticed. Yeah, okay. We can't end on a compliment to me and my... No. Well, thank you. The no, album's great. Best so. way to end it. You're hosting it. So, yeah, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of LP Uncovered. If you like this one, you can go back and listen to all my previous episodes featuring lots of wonderful musicians. Just head along to wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts and subscribe away. Likewise, you can follow LP Uncovered on Instagram to keep up to date with upcoming episodes.